I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading the book of Haggai. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. So let's begin by getting some perspective on Haggai. Haggai prophesied to the remnant who returned to Jerusalem after the Persians overcame the Babylonians. Haggai dated his prophecy, so we know they were given in 520 B.C., His prophecies are all about rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. But wait, had they not been back in Jerusalem for 16 years or so at this point in time? What's the holdup? Well, we know from the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther that not everyone around Jerusalem was tickled to have the temple rebuilt. Remember the two-calf people of the northern kingdom, Israel, who had forsaken the worship of the one true God after Solomon's reign and moved their goddess worship to Samaria? That's recorded in 1 Kings chapter 12. After the Assyrians conquered them in 721 B.C., foreigners were moved into Samaria to replace the northern kingdom Jews who were deported to Babylon. They intermarried with those Jews and eventually adopted their two-calf religion, a hybrid of Judaism and paganism. These inhabitants of the region became known as Samaritans and are called such throughout New Testament times as well. Call it religious jealousy, but they gave the Jews fits about rebuilding the temple. So the project got tabled, and the returning Jews concentrated on rebuilding their houses and restoring their farms. Somebody's got to do something to shake these people up. Enter Haggai. He's got a word from the Lord, and the word is, let's rebuild that temple. By the way, Haggai was a contemporary of the prophet Zechariah. Now, if you look into the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today, there's an Ezra, Haggai, Zechariah timeline on that page so that you can get some perspective there how he relates to the other two. So with regard to the new building project, rebuilding of the temple, uh, let's get a little perspective on a couple of the main players. First, let's talk about Zerubbabel. According to the Easton's Bible Dictionary, and I quote, Zerubbabel was the son of Salathael, or Shealtiel, according to Haggai 1, verse 1. He's also listed in Matthew chapter 1, verse 12 in the genealogy of Jesus. He's also called the son of Padea in 1 Chronicles chapter 3, verses 17-19. According to a frequent usage of the word son, the grandson or the nephew of Salathael. He's also known by the Persian name of Sheshbazer in Ezra chapter 1, verse 8 and verse 11. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, he led the first band of Jews, numbering 42,360, according to Ezra chapter 2, verse 64, exclusive of a large number of servants who returned from captivity at the close of the 70 years. In the second year after the return, he erected an altar and laid the foundation of the temple on the ruins of that which had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. All through the work, he occupied a prominent place inasmuch as he was a descendant of the royal line of David. And then we find that secondly, there's a new Joshua in town for this rebuilding effort. And here's what you may want to know about the new high priest in Jerusalem. Joshua was the son of Jehozadak. He's referred to as Jeshua in Ezra and Nehemiah. His father Jehozadak was among the captives at the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., according to 1 Chronicles 6, verse 15. His grandfather Sarea was put to death at Riblah 
in 2 Kings chapter 25, verses 18 to 21. Joshua is seen in Ezra chapter 3, verse 2, along with Zerubbabel as a leader in the effort in rebuilding the altar and once again establishing sacrifices and worship in Jerusalem after the exiles returned from Babylon. We then see Joshua here in Haggai chapter 1, verse 12, 16 or so years later, working with Haggai, Zechariah, and Zerubbabel and getting the temple rebuild effort rejuvenated once again. So in Haggai chapter 1, let's get that temple rebuilt. Verse 1, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm." And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house." Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land of the mountains, on the grain, and the new wine, and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel the son of Sheatiel, and Joshua the son of Jehozadak the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius." Well, the first prophecy, August the 20th in 520 B.C., does a little rebuking for the procrastination of the people in rebuilding the temple. They'd gotten preoccupied with their own houses and so forth. Hey, folks, your current drought is because of your disobedience to God. That's his message. Yeah, that message from Haggai got the people back on track. We see in verses 12 through 14 that they again started working on the rebuilding of the temple. As a matter of fact, only 23 days passed after Haggai's prophetic message of rebuke until they came together to do the work of rebuilding the temple. Isn't it interesting that the people who longed for the day when they could return to Jerusalem from Babylon could lose track of their mission in rebuilding that temple? Israel's neglect of their worship had resulted in their fall 66 years earlier, and now they were back in that same rut. However, Haggai's very direct prophecy here jolts them back into reality. You will not prosper unless you put your priority on serving God. That's the message. It's going to be a great temple we see in Haggai chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, 
Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Well, this second prophecy, dated October of 520 B.C., is one of encouragement to the people regarding this rebuilt temple. Apparently there were some who had seen Solomon's temple prior to its destruction 66 years earlier. It just won't be the same in their minds. These exiles didn't have the resources to build it back with the same extravagance of the original structure. Haggai concludes his word of encouragement on this issue in Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, when he says this, The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. God's glory filling the temple is all that matters. Incidentally, notice verse 6, it says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. Paul refers to this verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, when he says, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Paul saw this shaking as a yet future event, and it comes at the end of this present world in Revelation 21.1. Revelation 21.1 says this, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. In chapter 2, verses 10 through 19, Haggai prophesies that times will be better now. Verse 10, On the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, if one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil or any food, will it become holy? Then the priest answered and said, No. And Haggai said, If one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord. And so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. And now carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days when one came to a heap of twenty ephahs, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw out fifty baths from the press, there were but twenty. I struck you with blight and mildew and hail and all the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord." Consider now from this day forward, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit, but from this day I will bless you.
Well, this third prophecy is December 520 B.C. It's short and to the point. You suffered chastisement for your disobedience before, but now that you're rebuilding the temple, blessings from God will come. If you're looking for direct evidence that God rewards faithfulness and chastises his people when they aren't faithful, well, Haggai's prophecy is for you. So you might be wondering, how does Zerubbabel fit into this messianic prophecy? Well, there's your answer in verses 20 to 23 of chapter 2, verse 20. And again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. Well, this fourth prophecy, dated December 520 B.C., is directed towards Zerubbabel himself. Let's get right to the point. Is Zerubbabel the Messiah? Well, no. However, the lineage of the kings of Judah have once again been established with Zerubbabel, though he was not technically a king. Zerubbabel was only a governor under the Persians, but was from Davidic descent. The signet mentioned here puts it into perspective. A king's signet was the official king's stamp. The Messiah would come from David's lineage through Zerubbabel. In fact, there he is in the lineage of Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. This is a messianic prophecy looking to the millennium when Zerubbabel's seed will reign as Messiah. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.